spiritual beings having a human experience. Um, when we're meditating, connecting with Veda, the what they call the Dara or the Amnaya descending um, from the great masters. Um, of course, it's a privilege. Um, but we're invoking uh, the meeting or the Sangha in order to uh, be blessed with progression, devotion, shifting, awakenment, clearing. Um, and so that space is called Sadhu Sangha. So it's always customary to invoke the divine masters who this knowledge is descending in an unbroken chain. So I'll just chant this uh, mantra. All the assembled guests, Kijai. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so the, the, that was um, an invocation to the first was um, that we are generally appearing on the planet in a conditioned state. Um, and generally in, in the human form to progress or to continue our progression. Some souls are actually descending here from upper planetary systems and continuing their path on bhakti. Um, others, yeah, we're all coming in from different quadrants within the Brahmanda, according to the Veda, and being given a chance to evolve, progress. And so general yoga system is that union with the divine. Um, and then the other invocations were to my direct master, Srila Bhakti Sunda Govinda Maharaj, um, his master, Srila Sridhar Maharaj, and then his master, or the first Western Bhakti Yoga master, Swami Maharaj Prabhupada. Um, so due to their divine mercy and revelation of teachings, uh, we, we were able to have these discussions on Bhakti Yoga. They were the first to introduce these heavyweight um, Sanskrit texts and in an organized form in the Western world, um, beginning in pretty much fundamentally mid 60s, 65. Um, and so, actually, uh, earlier, Chintamani and I had a little discussion. We were going over the subject for today, which is um, a chincha chincha, a beta. Tattva or Siddhanta, actually. Siddhanta means conclusive truth about the understanding we're simultaneously one and different from the divine. Now, this is very interesting because the theistic overview, you'll see most schools of thought are coming into these two categories. So theism generally, both Eastern and Western, will fall into these two categories. Um, with the Siddhanta or the conclusion being either merging into the impersonal aspect 
or what some call the Nirvana, the Brahma Jyoti, uh, the Nirvashesha Brahmavad, which is the effulgence, the oneness, or the uh, personal, which is uh, descriptive of uh, God, Jehovah, Yahweh. But then as it develops so the, from the Judaic Christian you know, relationship with God general, uh, but then um, the Veda goes on to development of Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, uh, the spiritual sky variegated by Kuntha planet, but that beyond the effulgence is a supreme entity. And one very good example that the founder of ISKCON, the Western movement who came in 65, he gave the example of there was the sun shine, the sun planet, and then the sun God. Um, and this is uh, reference to Brahmeti uh, Paramatmeti Bhagavan Iti Sabjate. So divinity, generally impersonal and personal, but there is one extra category here in Achinchabeda Beda Tattva, which is the the Lord within, known as the Chaitya Guru or the Paramatma, another aspect of divinity. Um, but in general, one and different from the supreme, um, personal, uh, impersonal, personal. Uh, and so this understanding of the Siddhanta of a Chincha Beta Beta Tattva is also that you're a divine spiritual particle known as Atma. And the Atma or the soul is under the category of a, a term we call Tatashta Shakti. Tatashta Shakti, it's very interesting, this term. The spiritual particle can exist in the oneness or with the Supreme Being or in the material matrix, which we are now present. This is Tatashta means it has the ability to be in either environment. Uh, and three considered three planes of existence. The soul can have um, home and three planes. Uh, the plane of exploitation, the plane of renunciation, or the plane of dedication. Maya, uh, so Maya Shakti, Tatashta Shakti, and Hladini Shakti. So it, you, what we're doing is we're overviewing a subject that really is um, a whole entire workshop in itself. Numbers of um, seminars can come under the, the workshop of a Chincha Beta Beta Tattva Siddhanta. Um, and of course, at, at a later date, we can go into more detail and, and understanding because this, this is also the category of the origin of the soul connected with the subject. It's another, and there are, there are books that we have access to, you have access to, um, in PDF form with these subjects um, being overviewed by our divine masters. Um, an origin of the soul, I believe, is, Chintamani, if you can maybe refresh that, I think it's found in um, The Search for Sri Krishna Reality, The Beautiful, by Srila Bhakti Rakshak, Sridhar Maharaj. I believe so. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to. I got 
Maraj, I, you, dropped, you dropped a lot of vocab words there. For our <laughs> yeah, so just go back and over, re, you know, reference. Yeah. Because remember that when I'm speaking, be happy to um, interject and just give, give some anchoring and reflection because uh, I, I am uh, teaching within a field of you know, practitioners who are 20, 30, 40 years in practice, as well as those who are coming into a new understanding of bhakti. So I do have to be checked occasionally. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, well, Ariana, Christo, and Sage, and Jaideva are all very, very intelligent. But I, we'll just pause here. Does anybody have any questions about last week? Anything? Or Renau, just, or anything? Um, actually, I have a question. So you said exploitation, renunciation. Renunciation. Wait, what was the second one? Uh, renunciation. Renunciation and dedication. Could you? Is there any way that you could just kind of briefly explain the difference between the three? Okay, so I th I believe last week we went into the analogy of the matrix, right? The soul um, being trapped within the matrix. So the matrix is a a system, a material system known as a Brahmanda, a universe made up of um, seven upper planets, seven lower planetary systems. Um, and within that Brahmanda, we are situated in the middle planetary systems known as the Bhumandala. <laughs> so this is generally termed, this Brahmanda, as a pla the planes of exploitation. Um, seven upper, seven lower, and we're in the middle. So maximum security jail, medium security jail, minimum security jail. So um, in a jail, there are rules and laws. So like in this particular realm that we're in, um, we are bound by Janmamrichu Jaragadi, birth, death, old age, disease. So this is the situation we're in at present, exploitation. Now, incredibly, these other two planes exist for us as options, if we choose. And this is the impersonal and the personal realms um, of the divine. So we're in the, the prison house of the divine in the plane of exploitation. And we can go into that because that seems like, oh, well, why would we be in prison? And, you know, like, it's, like I thought God was love and beauty. <laughs> why would he have us wander into the prison or into exploitation? Because, um, yeah, because to be in the plane of exploitation, of course, is um, Sorry, what? Yeah. Not, a, not an easy place to be. Hmm. Oh, we have uh, David Deva coming in, I see. Hare Krishna. He's just coming in there um, from the hospital. <laughs> so. so. He's muted. David Deva, click on mute. Say hi. Yay. Yay. Or not. If you're muted, you're muted. That's okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, so again, so the plane of exploitation, just a refresher. General term, you know, the matrix, uh, the realm of exploitation, um, known as um, Durga. Durga is the, a jail. Um, 
the material world, sometimes referred to as the material world, but the material world or the material universe made up of um, different systems, uh, upper, middle and lower planetary systems. Um, and we are atomic spiritual particles wandering inside the material universe and wandering through, now this is probably worth noting down while we're at over, overviewing this point, 8,400,000 species of entity that we can transmigrate within. Um, so there are 400,000 humanoid, according to Veda. So the theory of the alien, do the aliens exist? Well, folks, according to the ancients, oh, yes, there's many of them out there. So just for any of those who are into the UFO theories, <laughs> it's, it is all going on. It really is, um, which is okay. It just means um, we've got friends out there, <laughs> some, of them, <laughs> some of them good, maybe some of them not so good. <laughs> um, see... Actually, every subject within Veda is very deep, very big. Um, but because it's an introductory course, we're, we're sort of overviewing subjects that are, are vast. And even just on the subject alone, you know, the, the material universe or the material world uh, is, is a big subject. The different races, the Veda goes into a lot of detail with many things. Um, Mm. And then, so that's exploitation generally, those 14 planetary systems. Then we move across to um, the plane of renunciation. Now, this is known as the Nevashesha Brahmavad. Um, according to our Vaishnav Siddhanta, this is the origin. This is our home. This is the spiritual world. This is the place from which we came out from and entered the material world. So we fell from the spiritual world, from the plane of renunciation, sometimes known as the Nivashesha Brahmavad, uh, Nirvana. Everyone knows the group Nirvana with Dave Grohl, <laughs> a famous man. I met him once. Um, mm. Now, just, just on that note, just to bring a little bit of humor into this, <laughs> he went from the band Nirvana to the Foo Fighters. Does anyone know about the Foo Fighters? Yep. <laughs> you know the origin of the name of the Foo Fighters? No. This is, uh, this is very interesting. So the Foo Fighters were a squadron in the British um, Air Force that were employed, wait for this, um, to track down UFOs. That's, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's not a, <laughs> yeah, that's based on fact. Um, so it was an air squadron that was, was uh, employed to track down, um, yeah, UFOs and unidentified flying objects. So interesting, you know, he went from Nirvana to sort of tracking down space aliens, the two bands, you know? Yeah. Um, so plane of exploitation, then the plane of renunciation. So these are also under categories of energy of the divine. Uh, Maya Shakti, Tatashta Shakti, which is renunciation. And then we'll talk about the 
the other plane, the plane of dedication. But see, this relates to our subject today in regard to um, Achincha Chincha Beta Siddhanta or Tatma, which is uh, where one and different with the divine uh, and as a spiritual particle, we can choose our destination amongst the three planes to some degree, to some degree. That's another big subject about free will and free choice and how do we get entrance back to nirvana or renunciation and how do we get entrance to the other plane, the plane of dedication, our personal relationship with the Supreme Being. So bhakti yoga is that science actually. Um, so, but please feel free to interject because these are, I, I'm, I hope I'm not moving too fast and too quick across these because mm -hmm. these are big subjects in of themselves, you know, I kind of have, thank you. That was helpful by the way. Thank you. I could give some simple, um, simple breakdown because I need simple things. Uh, Maharaj actually comes from a very, very high level of, of, uh, He's usually talking to people who have been very advanced in the past. So a lot of things are given, but the very basics, as I understand it from my very simple perspective, because these things are so high and I'm so simple there. If we are in this world, it's because we have somehow desired to become the center of our reality. And we have an environment around us, which inherently want to get something from this is the realm of exploitation. But our real nature is to give, to serve, to love, specifically to love God. That's the realm of dedication. But that is such a, that is so natural to us, but we're so far in the realm of exploitation that it's, it's hard to even conceive of this life of pure giving, of pure love centered around something other than our own awareness. So if you um, meditate enough, you will find that point where you are aware of your reality even that is still in the realm of exploitation. Deeper than that, through the grace of the absolute realm, you can be pulled beyond your own point of awareness into the plane where you become a, a part of the environment of the divine, a part of, uh, you are part of the divine's world or something like this. And, right, and intermediately, inter, intermediate, so, all right, so there's that, right? In between, when a soul gets burnt, so when you're in the realm of exploitation long enough, what happens in the realm of you take from your environment, your environment will eventually take from you. And it's not usually a fair bargain. Whatever you take, you're going to pay a lot more for in the long run. And so then the soul will decide, oh, I don't want to interact with the environment anymore. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I don't want to take anymore. I am going to shun the environment. I'm going to push away from the environment. And this mm. is the plane of exploitation, would you say, Maharaj? Like, I mean, uh, of renunciation. You're, mm. you're no longer wanting to take, but you're not actually realizing your, ser your inherent nature as a servant. Mm. You're more like, oh, I'm going to become nothing. I'm just going to, uh, I'm going to go on strike. I'm going to just not yes, do anything. I'm going to go on strike. I'm just going to yeah. stop everything. Mm. And that's going to solve my problems. But it doesn't. It never ultimately eternally solves the problem. Mm. So exploitation is I'm trying to get something. Renunciation is I'm trying to get away from everything. Dedication is 
deeper than that, which you could pay, probably explain further as you go deeper mm. into Tetra and all of that. So just mm. like a kind of clarification. I hope that helps. Thanks. Mm. Yeah, it does. Thank you. It's, yeah, it's a very, uh, the, the original texts of these explanations are in Sanskrit language, the language of light of the gods, demigods. So the relaying of that message generally in, in the last three to 500 years has been through the Parampara from India. So it's been also carried by Sanskrit and Bengali. And now we're trying to equate English expression to the very same conceptions, which we have to find words that best explain these, these concepts, you know, so exploitation, uh, material world. Um, sometimes you'll see that term contraction, the realms of contraction, the realm of expansion. So, um, but generally the gist, but, but one thing also is that through divine grace, this divine knowledge, and this is something I often reflect and repeat again and again, Vedic knowledge, which is the knowledge we're now discussing, is present within the heart or consciousness of every entity, but it's buried. So none of this is ultimately a conversion, but it's awake, an awakening of what is buried within us as a divine treasure. Um, yeah, which is very sort of like, okay, it's not a conversion, and this is why Vedic knowledge or the path of bhakti is very mystical because it's awakening what potentially exists, the tendency to serve the upper. And so this goes now into the subject of sat-chit-ananda, which is the spiritual particle who can either um, choose to some degree, you know, uh, or influence to choose personal impersonal relationship with god with the divine um intrinsically is sat chit ananda so means you're eternal you're endowed with consciousness um, and you're searching for ananda ananda sat. so eternal endowed with consciousness searching for pleasure fulfillment ananda sat. so at present uh we are within the material system of exploitation as spiritual particles sat chit ananda um, searching for pleasure within the limited material realm but now the problem is it's like we're embodied so we want to have some sort of type of fulfillment and so then we find it within the facility that we've got uh, but there are these powers and, and, and influences around us that are beyond our control, like birth, death, old age, disease. So this is, we're actually in a, in a prison, in a, in a type of prison, um, due to wanting to independently enjoy separately from the divine. It's, um, it's, it, it, was, it was created you could say created, even that term's not correct, but because <laughs> it's eternal, but it gets wound up. But it's a facility for those who want to, I'm going to do my own thing. Um, and I, like Srila Sridhar Maharaj goes into this explanation that 
the jiva soul, that's us, we were existing within the plane of renunciation, within the nirvana or the nirvashesha brahmavar. <laughs> and somehow or other, so in that state, uh, how could I express? Okay, in that state, we are sat, eternal. We're endowed with half consciousness. So our full potency of full consciousness and full ananda is not fully experienced there. But we are immaculately stoned in that plane. We are muktan jivan, means we are free from the prison and we're existing in this sort of spiritual, spiritual effulgence of one dimension, sometimes referred to as one dimension, ekeha. Uh, it's a state We've got of, a question from Sage Bova. Okay. I'm sorry, guys. I just, I uh, have to go. I, I didn't realize it was going to be this extra half hour. I apologize for the disruption. Thank you so much. This is like really cool uh, conversation. Nice to have met you. Uh, I, I don't have your name yet. Everyone, I don't, haven't got your names yet. I, this is a great like little like initial handshake. And uh, thank you so much for having this conversation. Okay. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Yeah. You Love you too, Sage. Thanks for nice coming. Nice to meet you, Sage. Nice to meet you. Uh, and we've got David Deva, but I think he's... Yes, hello. Maybe... Sorry to interrupt also, but maybe it's a good chance to say hello. Yeah. Um, I'm on call, and so I had a code rapid for respiratory failure. We intubated the patient, and I just put in a central line. It's almost 4 p.m., so I'm probably going to have to go down to the emergency room to admit some patients. But I wanted to say hello, and I've been listening when I can. I have the um, earbuds in. Um, Satchitananda. Uh, so I'll listen as I can, and if I have the chance to participate more, if things slow down, then I absolutely will. I'm sending you guys all my love and support. Hare Krishna. Hare Bo. Love you, Deva Deva. Hare Krishna. Yeah. Uh, nice, nice. So sweet. Um, yeah, so... Um, you're very, you know, I, I, I am often just with what, what has been revealed through the Vedic knowledge, through the, the divine masters, these great sages, rishis, divine bhakti yogis, it's, it's phenomenal because it's not only is it a revelation of where and what uh, we are at present, but... Um, it's, it's an explanation, it's an understanding by which we are able to choose. We have sovereign free will. And, and when, when the divine knowledge comes to us, it's an opportunity for us to again make decision. Now, I'm bringing this point up because we were talking about the nirvana or the nevashesha brahmavad. At, at the point by which our equilibrium was disturbed from the immaculately stoned state of moving in that liberation or that effulgence of God. When we came out, um, which is an arrangement of the divine, at that point, the sovereign free will, which is always present, but it then is presented with two choices, 
from the plane of renunciation. So from the Nirvana or the Nirvashesha Brahmavad, there's two possible scenarios for the Jiva. That's you, I, and everyone else. <clears throat> and that is the plane of exploitation or the plane of dedication. So you've just come from the, 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 the womb for the soul, which is all souls, which is Nirvashesha Brahmavad, Nirvana renunciation. And there's two waves, the Saguna wave, which takes us to the matrix, the plane of exploitation, and the Nirguna wave. So you've obviously worked out which wave we got on. <laughs> we, we took ourselves, we chose the Maya Shakti. We chose the, the realm of exploitation, um, which is an experience. And remember that this matrix, these Brahmandas are created by the Supreme Being. So they're also amazing realms, you know, like they're like goodness, you know, beauty, suns, moons, mountains, nature, lions, animals, 8,400,000 species. It's, it actually is, I'm going to quote one sloka from the Bhagavad Gita describing the matrix, which is a, it's actually a reformatory system for us to try and return back to love. But this verse is um, from the Bhagavad Gita. Daivahi shugunamai mama maya dratyaya. Oh, that's gone blank on me now. Daivahi shugunamai mama maya dratyaya mamiviya prapadyante maim itam tarantite. means this divine energy of mind consisting of the three modes of material nature uh, lower planetary system, middle planetary system, higher planetary system, or tamagun, mode of ignorance, mode of passion, and mode of goodness, is my divine energy very difficult to cross or very difficult to escape this material matrix. But one who surrenders to me, Krishna, love, divinity, can easily come out. So this is all is not lost, folks. We, we are not just thrown into the matrix due to that choice um, and then left to our own devices forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> no. Um, okay, uh, Who's got a question? Okay, because you know that there, there could be 50 questions just to the last one minute of discussion. Seriously, because we've got free will. Why did we choose? Um, were we influenced to choose? Um, what's the first position we take when we enter the material prison? Um, yeah, many things. How right. I, um, I guess what I was just wondering is you said that when we choose um, to come into the, the realm of, ex of exploitation, is that like us as physical beings or is that like, um, like before, like even when we were conceived, so to speak, that, we, that our choice to come in here is? Um, we were presented with two options. Uh, yeah. Saguna, Nirguna. So saguna, nirguna. In in one in one realm, saguna, there was the idea of, and I, I give this analogy. I don't. Other acharyas haven't used this analogy, but I like to use it. I think it's very appropriate. It's a a um, a verse from a song by Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. You know that whole thing of you know God and Krishna. I, I just, I'm happy to do my own thing here. Whatever's going on over here with this 
divine goddess. I, I want to move and be my own God. Um, that's the Saguna way. That's the independence to be uh, your own sovereign uh, Ishvara, which means a competitor to the divines. That many terms are used by the Acharyas. What is the mentality? Or it's it's like I just I, I'm happy to do my own thing. And in that in that decision, we want to play as competitive, but we also want to enjoy separately. This is a term Swami Maharaj Prabhupada would often express. The living entity wanted to enjoy separately from the divine. Chintamani, uh, we have a friend here. Names, his, his good name is Harris. Harris. Harish. 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 Hey, Harish. Hey, his name is Harish, but I call him Harish, like Lord Hari. It's a sense. I give Lord him a Harish. sense. Harish. Harish. Well, nice to meet but you. I, I wanted to add some clarification Harish. to um, Christo's question. Did yes. you ask if it happened before conception? Yeah, I mean, basically, because I was just confused. It's like the whether yeah. you choose Sarguna or Nuguna, I was like, is that like us as humans or as some as something else? No, no, no. So this happened, here's where it gets crazy and Maharaj can elucidate further. This has been going on since beginningless time. It never began. So actually, equally, uh, okay. that equilibrium yeah, has yeah. been yeah, this is, this and we've is been rotating yeah. in this plane. So your birth before you were born you were already patterned from that for infinite lifetimes to choose the mother and father in every single circumstance of your life, perfectly arranged by God to match what you had already kind of uh, created in your kind of like soul body or energy body. So, so at the point you were born as the person you are right now, that has been going, what he's talking about had been already going on for eternity. Huh. Right, Maharaj, would you say basically? Yeah, I mean, um, so again, it comes back to this point of Satchit Anandam, eternal, endowed with consciousness. But because of it, the tendency to exploit within the material system of the matrix, the, the mirror of, of experience and desire and expression is being reflected back to us. So this is another huge subject, which whole workshops can be placed around, which is the, the law of karma. Within each uh, jiva's experience within the matrix. Um, because, you know, why some are in the higher planets, some in the middle planets, some in the lower planets? This is due to, again, free choices of movement and action. Um, but in saying that, yeah, we are eternal. So it's very difficult... Um, generally for the, the con conditioned soul, which is what we all are at this stage, you know, obviously in our attempt to awaken through divine mercy, we always have an idea of beginning, middle and end because we are embodied. So we're born as a baby, you know, goo goo gaga, you know, we become children, we grow old and then, you know, like, um, David, Dave experiences, you know, like people are leaving the dimension. So we have this tendency of beginning and end, but actually the atomic spiritual particle is eternal. So we've eternally existed, uh, but you could say our birth from the nirvana 
happened a long, 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 long time ago. <laughs> a long, long time ago. <laughs> um, and then we've, we've, we've been inside these matrix ever since, wandering. Um, and now another verse, Abrahma Bhubanaloka, higher planet, middle planet, lower planet. It's called the cycle of sansara. You may have heard this term in Buddhism. They call the, the wheel of sansara. Mm. Um, but incredibly within this uh, experience, the human experience, um, any experience within the realms of exploitation, the divine, the supreme being, and the agents of the supreme, the, the beings that exist outside of the matrix, into the matrix, and, this, and God himself comes inside the matrix to give us an opportunity, would you like to make another choice? So you know the original choice between the wave going downward to the material world, there was another wave, and that, that's the choice to come home, back to home, back to Godhead. This is a term that's used in, um, in Vaishnavism. Back to home, back to Godhead. Back to home, back to love back to family, back to sweetness, back to love, back to affection, back to empowerment. Um, so incredibly, even this sacred arena here of Sadhu Sangha is the foundational um, beginnings of our training, awakening, to making a choice to go back to home, back to Godhead. <laughs> this is not... Uh, an ordinary um, event for uh, any of us involved with this. Um, and I've had much experience over the years of seeing that incredible miracle, the incredible shifts, waves, divine uh, movement of how this divine knowledge, this Vedic knowledge, um, shakes and shifts us um, to that prospect. Mm. Mm. Sometimes, uh, yeah, this is called Gyaninastatpadarshanaha or divine divya gyan, divine knowledge. And uh, it's now giving us the awareness to, uh, if we choose, um, to, to return back, to go back, to make the decision to the plane of dedication. Um, so bhakti, you know, that, that the yoga of the heart, heart yoga to have union with God. So devotion and union with the Supreme. And it's very interesting because devotion is intrinsic. So this is another thing in relationship to um, we as beings are satchit anandam, but our intrinsic nature is to serve. So you're going to serve within the matrix. You're going to serve in the realm of dedication. There's no service in the plane of renunciation. This is very interesting. So the two active realms are the plane of exploitation and the plane of dedication. So serving the matrix, um, serving um, the Maya Shakti, um, where there's some reciprocation, right? If you go to, to a job, you work hard, you get your... <laughs> wage or salary at the end of the week. Um, in order to feed the physical body, you have to serve it. So like, I'm just in the middle of a 
cup of tea. <laughs> now, if, if we don't serve the body, you know what's going to happen to it, right? <laughs> We're constantly serving. We have to serve. Like if you want a relationship with another human being, you'll have to serve. <laughs> like if you want to have communication with another living entity, you have to serve. Like I'm serving you all now. <laughs> You're all serving me through hearing. <laughs> I'm speaking and then you'll speak and I'll hear and I'm serving you. We're all serving each other and getting specific results. Um, so that's, that's another whole big subject of the ways by which we can serve. Um, but Bhakti Yoga is the science of service to God, service to love, service to divinity, service to the higher. Um, so if we are going to serve what what is the greatest gift or benefit or what is the greatest salary we can get in return um the vedas tell us that service to the higher gives the greatest reward for service service within the matrix is temporary transitory and reactionary and then of course this is the karmic the karma thing so even do you see i'm, I'm cross riff this is all explained by the masters but it's all very, um, every point is another big discussion. But as we go on with these intro classes and these points will become more familiar. So don't, please don't get overwhelmed or feel like um, it's too much, it's an overload. No, no, it, it will become all these terms, even the Sanskrit terms, it, they will come to you as a naturally and... Um, you, you will start to get a handle. What will happen is actually we'll go over these themes um, regularly because they're all very relevant to our present position and it's fundamental to the, to the understanding of bhakti yoga. Uh, so this, this is a big subject, yeah. Achincha beta beta shidanta. Yeah. Um, but Jaido, please, yeah, express something... Um, any reflections, Chintamani? Um, no, unless there are any questions. Um, doesn't sound like it. No, I, um, yeah, I like uh, Maharaj, you're giving extremely advanced but core concepts. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the group here is very special. Uh, yeah. It, just from my own feeling and intuition, when I go over every single person I think of who's in this group right now, my feeling when I met them was, oh, they're already, they've been a devotee, they've been some kind of devotee before. Because there's a um, sweetness and a kindness that's not the usual in this material world. That means all of you, every one of you. <laughs> so I think a lot of this stuff might spark something they remember from before. And uh, I think, like you said, it's no mistake. But if anyone yeah. has any questions, oh, that's the other thing. If anyone has any questions in between these meetings and they want to text me directly, not from the, any of the groups, because I don't really pay attention to group texts, text me like directly, ask me a question. And if it's something I don't know, I'll pass it on to Maharaj. But I'm, I'm really good at helping to take large concepts and break them down into bite-sized pieces. That's one of my, you guys know, because you guys were at the retreat, you know, you, you, you yeah. I want to. I want to say that I definitely agree with all the points, especially with the serving. 
I think the whole relationship is us serving each other, uniting each other and being there for each other. That's how we grow and become the best versions mm. of ourselves and mm. working with each other, loving each other and serving each other, really. Chintamani, interesting to overview those points, you know, like uh, love, affection, empowerment, validation, well-wishing nature. Um, because the path of, of, of true yoga is the establishment of spiritual family. Um, but spiritual family, including all beings, you know, our brothers and sisters and all the different species, especially um, the human family, who is, um, you know, a lot of our interaction is with the human family, but there's the, the animal kingdom family. And so, but love, affection, empowerment, well-wishing nature, validation, and, um, and moving by which we can bring out the best within each other, the potential, the diamond within, this is, it's golden. You see in our journey, and we reflected on this last week, that no doubt in the human, spiritual beings having a human experience, we have, of course, had some experience of dysfunctional or contracted relationships, but there's reasons for that because of the modes of nature that everyone has different karma. But the potential to choose expansive, progressive, um, transcendental relationships, progressive relationships, or to instigate progress within each other, or to reflect back to each other, hey, look, you know, uh, can, can we communicate or get through this particular uh, crease in the shirt in our relationship or our relationships, you know? Um, and, and so... Yeah, the, the human race is being asked, you know, like right now in the environment, we're being asked to question the narrative, like, are we really evolving? Are we really solution-based in our communication, solution-based in our holistic approach, you know, um, or our, is our society doing a great job in holistic well-being for all? I mean, there are many areas that are definitely requiring um, a different narrative. And the, the Vedic knowledge is vast. It's big. It's beautiful. It's the answers um, and the help is here on the planet. But it does require, like um, Swami Maharaj Prabhupada expressed, spiritual education and um, communication, open communication, uh, nurturing communication to bring about uh, a revolution in consciousness, you know, spiritual consciousness. Um. I'd like to share one thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I just so happy that all the souls who came here today and I uh, just love the questions about, you know, Ariana asked about elaborating on the exploitation, renunciation, and uh, we, we're getting to the dedication part. And uh, I really liked Christo's question about uh, did we choose this? like before this lifetime or like conception or when did this all stuff go down? And uh, I just, you know, in terms of like, which reality version are we going to go with? We ultimately in our adult lives, we have to kind of, not that we have to choose something, but I've noticed for myself that there's no such thing as staying neutral about, you know, things in the world that ultimately we have to like align with something. You can't just like 
what I've done a little bit too much sometimes is to blob into just the whatever situation I'm in, just blob and just merge with whatever situation. Cause I don't necessarily have the tools to, you know, especially as a kid or whatever, we don't necessarily have the tools to navigate our own reality because we're being imprinted by our family, our society, our culture, you know, so many things just within the public educational system and all this stuff, just being an American person or whatever, or a westernized person in non-indigenous culture, you know, the culture that conquers the indigenous. So for mm. me, it's been really empowering to have this access to this. It's been years. I've been studying this exclusively ever since I got turned on to it. And, and I was in college at the time, but I didn't have time to fully dive into it. But when I, you know, released myself from school and I wanted to, taking advantage of all this free education and the bhakti yoga scene i i'm still amazed like it's been 10 plus years of my dedicated study and i still just feel like i just know like tiny tiny like i really don't know much of anything even even the words i'm like wait what was that <laughs> he says it does come and, and it's, it's true I actually, it's very deep and it's it's actually i believe for me it's reworking um like neural networks because just in english like when you ask someone to explain the car word karma, even just normal people say karma, but it takes a whole sentence, it takes a whole paragraph, it takes a whole course to explain some of these deep words. So it's just, it's, in a superficial culture, I appreciate the depth that the bhakti yoga system has to offer. And I appreciate that the, the channel that it comes through is generally, they don't have an agenda for us except the well-wishing nature. And that's from studying up the lineage from my teacher, Keshav Maharaj, who you all, we all meeting together as co, you know, journey, co-seekers. And he's been on the path for a lot longer than, than me and longer than Jaidev. And uh, we're grateful for that reflection of, of his teacher and, and going up the, the lineage. It's just a really blessed, uh, transcendental, lots of saints, you know, really like, a, I, I want to follow a saintly culture. I don't want to follow a culture that is based on exploitation. I want to move beyond that because it's, I keep having an existential crisis with all this stuff. You know, if, if you just break down everything we're using from the iPhone and the slavery, you know, it's like there's everything we use is somehow connected to some type of exploitation. So this process of bhakti actually allows us to use whatever we like to use. Like I like to use my iPhone. I like to use my computer, you know, for my services in the world. They're very useful. But when we offer it like in my Bhagavad Gita class today it talked about um you know offering like offering the offering spirit offer it as in service you know that this is for service to the divine center and we're trying to aspiring to understand that no sincere practitioner claims that they've got it understood it's always a process of enlightening so thank you and I'll pass <laughs> yeah um, yeah, so intrinsically, service is the, if, <laughs> if um, Satchitanandam is the, the three aspects of the quality of consciousness, or the quality of the soul, it's eternal, um, or you could say it's the constitution of the soul is, soul is eternal, Particle, particle, or the living entity is eternal, endowed with consciousness, and searching for ananda, and the expression of so such it 
consciousness needs to do something. And so it searches for anandam, pleasure, and in order to get that, it has to serve. So satchit, and then it wants to serve to aspire to bring in that pleasure. And so hence, everyone's serving within some realm or system or operating system, looking for fulfillment. Totally, 24-7, you know, from our physical body, our mental system, our intellectual system, we're uh, considered tasting machines. We're constantly looking for fulfillment, inner fulfillment. Our very intrinsic nature as living entities is we are pleasure-seeking by nature. Now, this is very interesting because this now takes us to the subject of dedication, the realm of dedication. Krishna, <laughs> the Supreme Personality of God, the Krishna conception, Krishna is considered as the reservoir, Akila Rasamrita Murti, the reservoir of all pleasure, the source of all pleasure. So God, divinity, the Godhead, um, so or so source is where all pleasure can be totally fulfilled. So we're particles of source looking for pleasure within the external phenomena. Um, and actually we don't find true and absolute fulfillment within the material realm. We, we find, and this term is used by the acharas, we find a shadow of the original reflection in the material system, a shadow of the original reflection. So it's, it's something, but it's transitory, temporary, and in many cases, reactionary. Like if I give an example, like your favorite ice cream, <laughs> okay, it has a saturation point. If, if you like ice cream, if you're vegans, you'll have coconut ice cream or if not, then you may find some other type of ice cream. There is a saturation point. Like, you love the ice cream, right? Like, so you take your first spoonful. It's like, oh, my God, yeah, this is great, beautiful. And you throw some chocolate syrup on top. And you take your second, your third, your fourth. You, you want to be fulfilled. It's like, this is great. It tastes good. Um, so let's keep going down that path. So... 15 minutes later, you're on your 23rd spoon <laughs> and you're even mixing peanut butter with it to sort of oh. get the hit. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> I do that sometimes. Ice anyway. cream is my favorite dessert, so I'm loving this right now. <laughs> but they're, they're ready to go to the freezer and get some ice cream now. <laughs> <laughs> but there will come a point. So you know, 23rd spoon, 24th. And then now we're starting to move it. The belly starting to swell because, you know, <laughs> like the quantity is increasing. Now, if, if you keep pursuing that experience on the tongue, the, 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 the physical body won't be able to sustain um, the experience. And so you'll move from a level of enjoyment to now it's, it's like you're starting to feel a little overwhelmed with a sugar hit you're getting slightly whoa you know i need to stop and if you keep going of course um you'll end up with maybe david david down at the emergency room (laughs) 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 or have you seen the have you seen the movie super size me (laughs) with mcdonald's (laughs) 
Yeah. Okay, that, that, that guy nearly ended up down at the emergency room because he was <laughs> taking the takeaway. So the point being is that within the material enjoyment, there's always a saturation point. And, you know, the Veda um, is open to every subject. We can discuss ice cream taking. We can go into sensuality. That has a limit. Um, every experience in the human play that the Vedic teachings go into the analysis of everything in order to give us an awareness of its limit. So power, money, sensuality, um, the, the, the desire to control, um, you know, property, everything in the material system, this is incredible. It's all designed to break down. So as, as you're having this human experience, you'll start to work out, this is a setup. It's like, what happened? <laughs> why didn't that relationship work out? You know, why did my car break down? Why is there rust to the automobile? You know, um, why am I forced to grow old? I don't want to grow old. I, like I, I was young. I was 23. I was happy. Everything was looking great. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> so everywhere is this incredible setup of a point of saturation. Um, and it's, it's the Veda comes to get us to face the reality of what we're in the middle of. It's, it's beyond us, of course, because it's by divine arrangement, these systems that are around us. But as humans, we, we, we want to try and transcend these laws, of course. No one wants to grow old. Everyone wants to have the perfect relationship, the great house. Like my car that's sitting out the front, I don't want it to rust, but it will rust eventually. So it, it's sort of like we're in a setup here. This is a, this is a funky gig we're in, involved with here. Like, and it's, but in the sense of um, it's by divine arrangement, um, and it's, it's designed like this because it's not really our home. It's, it's considered a caravansary. This is a very interesting term um, given by Paramahamsa Yogananda that, that the worlds we, we um, traverse are like really amazing caravan parks. So our body is like the caravan and we move into a system like the earth, like the body that we're in now, according to our karma. And, but that there's a, there's a limit on the lease. And at some point the caravan is going to be asked to move on. So <clears throat> this is a, the difficulty. So we're searching for love, security, the ultimate relationship, happiness, security, but it's, and this is why Leonard Cohen said the, the beautiful tragedy, the human play, the human experience. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's like the sun, the moon, the stars, the mountains. But then it's tragic because it's, 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 a, it's a setup. It has been designed to break down folks. And this is why, why, what is this matrix? What, why is it like this? And do we really die? And um, is there a place that we can find home comfort. Is there a place where we can be secure? We can, we can be loved eternally and love eternally. Um, so Bhakti Yoga will go into all of that explanation analysis as well. Everything right across. Um, so considered the Vedic science. Um, so this brings us, yeah, the subject of the plane of dedication. 
Um, Jitamani, I might let you um, reflect a little, just, and both you and Jayadev, like explanation of the plane of dedication. I'd like to hear from Jayadev first, because he is my super inspiring cohort. Oh, here. come on now. I just, I have to break things down to simple terms that I can understand. So then I hope that other people can understand them. So if it's our nature to serve something, I'm going off, I'm, I'm, I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just trying to try something. If it's our nature to serve something, um, to give, to, to uh, yeah, to give, that's what we naturally do. The sun naturally shines. It doesn't have to do anything. It's just naturally shining. And we're like that. We naturally want to give. But what's happening in this plane we're in is that's twisted or perverted. And that natural desire, that natural nature to radiate or to give or to blossom forth or to love is kind of perverted into a sort of conditional love, a conditional giving, a conditional program. Mm. And, um, the path of bhakti, I guess, so you'd have to bring in the path of bhakti. The path of bhakti is ultimately the process of polishing off or removing or dissolving all of the covers to that inherent nature to give. And the best source and the best thing to give to, or the, so the plane of dedication, the best thing to get it, dedicate oneself to is that which is most eternal, most uh, reciprocal. Um, yeah, I don't know, Maharaj, you should really be talking, but, uh, no, no, it's um, because I'm, I'm a servant and I'm like something I've been shown or something revealed, but like intrinsically, yeah, like we, dedication is intrinsic to us. Um, because all the cultures of the world have hinted that service to the higher, you know, service to the higher. Sometimes people within the new age, it's like, I've got to connect with my higher self. I want to serve the higher self. But the higher self is connected with creator, you know, like um, the cultures of the world, they've talked about service to the center, service to the divine, service to creator. Uh, and then now why service to each other? Because we're part and parcels of the creator. So our service involves, so this is the thing, it's not abstract or like, I'm just serving God, I don't care about the rest of you. Mm -mm. And this is where simultaneously one and different from God. To love God, to serve God means to serve everybody because you're all sons and daughters of the Supreme. So it's amazing, if you serve the center, you wanna serve everybody who's connected with the center. So bhakti yoga philosophy gives us a very comprehensive understanding of service. To serve Krishna means to serve every entity. And you serve every entity by giving them connection to Krishna, love. Mm -hmm. So to serve love and then serve all the part and parcels of love. And what do you give them? Love, nurture, nourishment, connection to their higher nature, their divine nature. So to really love another is to see you shine to your fullest potential, to see you be nurtured, protected, secure, fulfilled, um, guided, nurtured. Um, and so bhakti is that science. It's the science of making that possible. So the supreme entity, source, wants that for us. But 
Now this is this is the this is the um, the rub, so to speak. This is the critical point. It's up to you, folks. <laughs> it's like all of us have free will and choice. Um, what we decide. Um, now, of course, the fact that we're in this forum means that we're open to the prospect of making that choice. Um, I made that choice many years ago. I, I actually just, and this is something in reflection to dedication. I thought, hey, look, this whole bhakti yoga, Vedic, I'll give it a trial, <laughs> you know, a trial, just to see if it's like going to live up to its expectation. So, and of course, I will incorporate this um, analogy in all my teachings from now until I leave this world. That was many, 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 many years ago. And um, that was the greatest trial I could ever have uh, pursued. Because all that the great masters said you would experience and feel, um, it was beyond my expectation of what I thought it could be, would be, or might be. And um, it's deep, it's vast, and it's, it's an incredible science. It's personable. That You're not alone on that great campaign. There are many other beings who are going through the, the, through the similar sort of extraction or sort of unplugging from the, the false ego, the selfish realms of sort of exploitation into dedication. You're, you're assisted, guided. Um, the, the method is very easy. Chant, dance, take prasadam. You know? um, so we haven't even gone into the, the actual ungas or the aspects of how to serve the divine. That is incredible. It's made so easy. And um, so service to the higher is a very dynamic, mystical, transcendental path, process, path and process. And even what we're doing here is actually considered a service. This is a service. We've been engaged in a service from the very offset of the Sangha. So each one of us um, have been serving the divine in the last, I mean, we're always attempting to serve, of course, in our different forums, but this is a service. And the, um, in the Kali Yuga, Kali, we mentioned this um, last week, the different ages, you know, Kali, Kali Yuga, um, the uh, Dwapa Yuga, Treta Yuga, and um, Satya Yuga. Did, was that mentioned last week? I don't, I don't remember Maybe it, not. but I might have been off the call. No, Mara, okay. you and I talked I about that separately for Okay, okay, so that's topic. another whole subject. So let's, <laughs> let's stay within the, <laughs> the peripheral. Of, so anyways, um, anyway, in the Kali Yuga, the, the, the age that we're in, the recommended quick elevator process for dedication to the Supreme Being to connection with source, love, beauty, divinity, is the Sanskrit verse um, expressed in the Naradiya Purana, Hariyanama, 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 Eva Kevalam, Kalona, Stevana, Stevana, Stevagatya The divine has come inside the plane of exploitation in the form of divine transcendental sound. Yeah. So this is, this is amazing. This is how accessible connection with divinity is it's so made so readily available and easy for us and so this 
Maha Mantra, which is, is, is handed down from the Supreme through the Guru Parampara, is accessible right here, right now to us. And I'll chant that divine mantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. That transcendental sound vibration will connect you immediately to the service plane. Um, it's been used by many yoga schools, actually. People think it's the monopoly of, uh, you know, that came with that master. The Maha Mantra is eternal. And actually, there are many other mantras that relate to that service plane. Um, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, uh, Govinda Jaya Jaya, Gopala Jaya Jaya, many, many ancient chants. But this Maha Mantra, considered Maha means great, Man means mind, Tra means to deliver the mental mind from the matrix, from the plane of exploitation. So the, the plane of dedication and access and the awakening or service to the plane of dedication can begin while you're in the material jail. So actually the path of bhakti is coming before a parole officer and starting your reformation out of the jail. <laughs> so, yeah. So if you want freedom from birth and death, old age, disease, if you want to be eternally perfect, happy, blissful forever and ever, amen. Not that I'm a Christian, but in the sense of all together as a human family in, in movement to liberation and fulfillment, um, the divine agents, Rishis, sages, munis have appeared within the matrix to give us, give us this ancient knowledge and especially this Maha Mantra, which is a, an elevator system to the plane of dedication. Um, and the most recent incarnation of Krishna came 500 years ago to deliver this Maha Mantra. But the, the ancient Vedic knowledge is eternal. Um, and it was handed down through generally oral from teacher to disciple. But at some point within the Kali Yuga, the age we're in, there has been the necessity of it being put into a book form. So hence the Vedic literatures. Um, but yeah, and there are many other ways. We also can, like, you've heard of the term prashadam. Prashadam is when you take foodstuffs and offer them to the Supreme Being. That's another form of yoga, actually. Honoring um, food offered to the Supreme Being, vegetarian food. Um, and there's also the discussion of Veda is also purifying and awakening devotion to the divine. That's also considered a service, which is what, what we're involved with now, what we've been doing the last perhaps hour and you know, 15 minutes. We've been engaged in service to the higher. Every aspect of this is divine transcendental knowledge. And um, as we've been talking and discussing and sharing um, aspects of our whatever blockages or whatever things need to be adjusted within our subtle system are being adjusted as we speak uh, for our promotion and service to the higher. So, our karma is getting cleansed as we're speaking. Mm. 
our contractions are being washed. Our, the coal is being broken down so that the diamond within can shine out. So the bhakti yoga process is a purificatory process uh, to break down the rebellion to love, the, rebel, the, re, the tendency of independence from service to God. So we are addicted to service to the false self, to the shadow land. That's been our experience mostly. So bhakti yoga is the realignment back to serving love. Mm. And the Christians give different analogies. But so the service to the phenomena, to the dream, and service to reality. And this is connected with service to reality. So this is real. Do you, and you'll feel alive in this. You'll feel, oh my God, I feel uh, surcharged and alive and great prospect. So this Maha Mantra chanting is that quick elevator process. It's very easy. And many, many years ago when I began the trial, <laughs> I began chanting. And I thought, oh, I don't want to be involved with institution and group and this and that. I want to do this under a tree on my own. Um, so it can be chanted, you know, at home, anywhere, time, place, circumstance. Uh, but as I did uh, all those years ago, I had an overwhelming mystical experience of the transformative nature of um, chanting Mahamatra. Um, and so, you know, uh, many, many tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Westerners have actually had almost similar experiences. You know, everyone will have their story. How did, like David, David, you know, you'll, you'll sort of like, how did you, like, wh what is it that stirred this whole bhakti yoga, Krishna, you know, devotion thing? And Jayadev, you'll have your story, Chintamani, Ariana, you're, the fact all of us, the fact that we're here, we've, we've already had some download, some higher taste, some higher taste already. And this is the continuation and development of moving with our hearts, moving with our intuitive feeling that this is good. This is, this is deep. This is, I want more of this, <laughs> that higher taste, you know? Mm. Hare Krishna. Mm. So tasting machine, you know, uh, wanting connection to love. So ah, to love, to love means to serve, to love. Yeah. So chanting is an expression of love to the higher. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very ancient. Did you get on your computer, Chintamani? It looks like we have a screen a screen sharing now. I know. Well, I'm figuring. I'm fiddling with my phone, actually, weirdly enough. But I have to take a screenshot of my slideshow, so I only did two just to test it out. But anyway, uh, uh, they're kind of <laughs> small, but I can see them. You can you can kind of stretch them out too. <laughs> stretch it out. I used Maharaj was talking about the. Oh, hey, it's working. Wow! Oh, cool. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, and then there's this one too. I was trying to figure out where, where is my, I had slideshows of the different universes because reincarnations are real central primary teaching of the yoga system. Mm, so mm. just trying to uh, emulate that there's a billion different universes that we could be born in. It's just 
this is very, very basic in the yoga scriptures. <laughs> yeah, bhakti yoga is like the, the, the deep science of the yoga systems. It's the, the philosophy of the yoga systems being explained. But, but with the ultimate conclusion of all yoga is ultimately taking us to love, to service to Krishna. So Krishna, another name for the word Krishna is the all attractive one, the anointed one source, divinity, um, creator, um, yeah, supreme personality of Godhead. Every, everyone, like George Harrison said, you know, everyone's searching for Krishna. They don't realize they are, but he's the source of all that his what or ever will be. Um, it's, it's, see, it's quite difficult on some level for some souls to comprehend that everything emanates from a personality. Um, because, see, our birth is from the nirvana. Our birth is from the effulgence. So the, and so this is, now this is very interesting. This, this bhakti yoga thing is actually a new prospect for us. Most jivas, most entity souls, at best they can return back to the nirvana. If they go through the ascending yoga systems, they can go back to the effulgence. But now, okay, this is another, this is a deeper aspect within the bhakti yoga school. In order to get entrance into the plane of dedication, it requires um, connection with a resident from that realm. Yeah. So um, we have to be um, ushered. We have to be, uh, what's the word, um, recommended. <laughs> so the, the bhakti yoga path is actually a new prospect that was given um, within the Vedic literatures, because many schools promote the impersonal, which is nirvana, muktan, jivan. And that's why you'll see that that's, that's very prevalent in the Western world, you know, muktan, jivan, you know, become one. So, okay, here's some, some examples. Muji, Gangaji, uh, Niram Karoli Baba. Um, many, many, many you'll see across the, the, the Western sector giving sort of um, reflections of this uh, impersonal sort of let's get liberation let's let's get still here folks that the, the world we're looking for is in the here and the now and and it is true to an extent but it's it's beyond the effulgence beyond the liberated state is the hidden realm of the variegated spiritual worlds and a relationship with Krishna the supreme personality of Godhead so bhakti yoga is the complete picture. It, it explains the impersonal, but also the personal. Mm. And very interesting, just a play on words. In the word impersonal is both impersonal and the word personal. So first impersonal, and then if you go to the word, later comes personal. See, so he's both light, effulgence, and person. But as you see here, God is not uh, masculine, only like the Christian patriarch, patriarchal conception. The divine is both female, male. And hence, that's where all life forms are expressions of the masculine and feminine, shakti, shakti, man. And 
as we go into, you know, we can have other workshops or classes in regard to how do we approach uh, Krishna, the Supreme Personality of God here. We don't approach the Supreme Male directly. We're actually all worshippers of the Divine Feminine in the Bhakti Yoga schools. So in the Maha Mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare represents Srimati Radharani, the Divine Feminine, Supreme Goddess. Um, yeah, so <laughs> anyway, there's many depths and levels to uh, every wow. aspect. Hare <laughs> Krishna. Wow, that's so cool. But that art is incredible. Yeah, that is so yeah. cool. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're very privileged folks we're very privileged um it's my you know my great fortune that i'm able to reflect these deep mystical subjects and you know i'm blessed in being able to reflect you're blessed in being able to hear and then your questions your answers but this is a tangible path it is it is a it is a movement it is a practice. It's it's a science, and um, yeah. And as you as we go on, for those who are interested, of course, yeah, we can go into further how to how to develop in that journey back home, back to Godhead, in that journey back to the to, to the to the spiritual world. You know, um, you know, while you know living in the world, you can be like you know, you can be nothing has. Maharaj, did you go mute? You're muted. We can't hear you. Sorry. You you can, you know, your external position doesn't necessarily have to change. You just add this this consciousness, awareness, and practice. Um, you can be in single life, married life. You can have 20 children. There's, there's no external. <laughs> that's a lot of children, but <laughs> some of the folks in Newtown might be up for that. But anyways, <laughs> you know. <laughs> The, the the conception here is that bhakti is applicable any time, any place, any circumstance. There is no material restriction or requirement. Um, just a little bit of faith and an openness, and yeah, one can begin the journey back to home, back to Godhead. Um, one reflection I have is about, uh, you're talking about the reservoir. When I first heard this word reservoir and applied in the spiritual way, mm. and then I thought about it more, I go, we don't want a trickle of bliss. We don't want a, you know, a sprinkle of bliss. We don't want, you know, we want the ocean of bliss. We want the reservoir. We want the continue. We want to be out always on an increasingly blissful path. And it's just, we're just so lucky that no matter how, Booked up I am on the relative level that I always find inspiration and healing through the path of spiritual surrender to a higher power of my own understanding and just being open to like I don't know maybe Krishna <laughs> I don't know maybe you know like all right that's cool those people are cool <laughs> there's a lot of um you know there's a lot of stuff out there and I'm just really grateful that I, I somehow just fell into this stuff and I can just testify that I'm just 
feels so, I can't believe where I am now, considering where I came from, right. that the reservoir of all pleasure, that the, that the, on the relative level, it's, 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 you know, I, there's benefit for my, my personal life, I, even though on the relative level, there's so many other things happening, at least on this other, there's this other realm that sort of opens of this reciprocal, mystical, very personal, very right. much there as part of the journey as a co-creator and that's i have my lessons i have to learn i have my karmas and all that stuff's really complex but um bhakti yoga is just and in the name of like there's so much weird stuff in the yoga industry <laughs> that uh, jayadev and i have encountered and so this course is just sort of like a Hey, you guys are my people. Thanks so much for coming. I, I was just so honored that I wasn't, I wasn't even expecting Maharaj to come or even Jai David. I wasn't even expecting Jai to come. Like, I'm just like, it'll be me and the, nobody. But I'll be with Krishna. Krishna will be there. So even yeah. that just gives me comfort that I, I have my person I rely on. I have my higher power and it's, a, it's not sectarian. It's Somebody likes some other higher power. It's just a different face. Just how the sun, when it goes through the stained glass window, it's just different colors. And it's, it's ultimately a very psychedelic, very real experience. And the, 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 purific the purification process given by mantra meditation is definitely like, it's totally a thing. And it's given a lot of importance in the bhakti tradition. So mm -hmm. yeah, thanks for letting me share in the past. Yeah, what, one thing is the overview that from a, Hist from a position of historiography, historiography is the study of history of you know human civilizations over generations. Um, if you study culture, language, and the, the present societies going back thousands of years, you'll come to conclude, you'll come, you know, due to your study, you'll come to understand everything has connection. Uh, both language and history and culture to the Vedic culture. So this is not something that the Bhakti Yoga School sort of cooks up in order to promote itself. It really is there in our history. Um, so it's sort of like, whoa, okay, hold on. So every, every culture we look at has some relation to Vedic culture. So because the Vedas tell us that this planet was once under Vedic rule. There were great Vedic kings. Um, and that at that time, everyone was at a certain level of consciousness um, in connection with the higher, the divine. Um, and also in present day, one billion people on the planet call the supreme being Krishna. So sometimes people get this idea, oh, the Bhakti Yoga School, you know, it's like 1965, there's a few Americans wandering down, you know, the streets of Manhattan or um, Hyde Ashbury or and it's this new cult. <laughs> well, a cult means a following. <laughs> so it is a following, but it's the oldest following. Um, and one billion people subscribe to the general conception of um, the supreme or source being Krishna. And we don't um, minimize or suppress or dismiss any other spiritual path or conception because we understand Everything's on, it is all Veda as well. It's all on its way. And that's the yoga systems. So even Christianity, Islam, every other system is moving toward bhakti yoga. Um, and you'll see aspects and elements of their philosophy and siddhanta is Vedic. So we have no argument. So we're, 
the, the bhakti yoga system is in full favor of every other system um, and it honors every other system. But when we look, when we make a comparative study, we see that, um, you know, there is uh, the general ingredients and many systems or religious systems have the general ingredients. And then there is the, the supermarket of ingredients and then the thousands and thousands of recipes. So there's deep, deeper, deepest, but everything's honored, respected, um, but seen as like a ladder. And, you know, no doubt between the, the different spiritual paths that we see on the planet, you know, often you'll get the discussion or the debate of like, oh, well, what makes this tradition higher or greater? Or why should we choose bhakti over Christianity or Islam or Sufism? Or, you know, why don't we just roll off and hang out with Muji and his idea and views and perspectives? But what we have to see is that um, everyone has a searching tendency. Those who are in um, the many different traditions, they're there also for a reason <laughs> that the soul attracts in what it needs for its development in God consciousness. So often I'll give the example that the fact that we've connected with bhakti um, we've already journeyed through many types of theistic systems already. Like I came from a Judeo-Christian background and that was great and I loved it and it was amazing. But when I came to Bhakti, I realized, ah, oh, it's the same pursuit, pursuance. It's the same journey. But what Bhakti offered was 25-7. It was explanations beyond anything I could comprehend. And I can tell you, I used to ask, you know, in my Christian study, you know, also I, I was the guy asking all the questions that they went, now God moves in mysterious ways, folks. <laughs> so there was many ways they couldn't really answer. Um, and, and, you know, the biblical text wasn't able to give explanation, but Vedanta, yeah, it's very broad, very comprehensive. Um, but we, we honor all the traditions, but what's being presented in the Vedic science, vast. Comparatively, it's true. Like there's a dictionary and then there's the encyclopedia. Um, and theologians who take a neutral position of study, they've come to the same conclusion. They've gone, look, folks, we honor them all. But when it comes to the Vedic science, this is another, this is another level altogether. Um, and for those who are fortunate or who are attracted at this stage in their development to the Vedic science, uh, it is a great privilege. We're told that all paths will bring everyone to the Vedic science. Ultimately, anyway, because all paths are part of the Vedic science, ultimately. So we have no conflict or... So in other words, I'm trying to sort of reflect superiority and inferiority. We're not in that debate here at all. It's just everyone's where they need to be in their evolution. But the... Those of us in this arena, for some reason, uh, here we are at, at, this, at this attraction, at this point. And explained, expressed by my masters, we will have traversed many, many theistic systems in order to have come to this point. So it's all a evolution. It's a climbing of the ladder. Mm. So the fact that we're all here uh, means um, 
much meditation has happened in the past. <laughs> much. I mean, we're talking lifetimes. And I, I, I could, you know, reflect and maybe meditate and even give some psychic feeling of your previous development or births. Um, but of course, that was in the past. But what's relevant is what's happening now. But I know just the fact that I've reflected that back to you, you'll have some feeling of past connections in your own um, intuitive feeling. Yeah. Are there any questions? <laughs> You're muted, Christo. No, I was just saying thanks. No, that's a, I don't have any questions right now, but uh, no, I was, on. I was just saying thanks. Thank you for all that. That's very, very, very empowering and very informative. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. I, I just, I feel privileged that we are all yeah, here and being able to, to ponder such, um, <laughs> A weighty subject. <laughs> it's high. It's very high. It's like prepare for your mind to be blown. <laughs> it's like, uh, like, like ground me, Lord, ground me. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Sometimes those feelings will come, but but be rest assured. You know, within the great Vedic truth, you'll never be taken or shown or. Um, transcended to a plane that you're not ready for. The, the nature of bhakti is uh, it's very grounding and very nourishing. Um, and the current, which is Krishna, will adjust us and um, hold us in a very balanced position in our awakenment, in our journey. That's been my own experience over many years. Um, but you know how like in the Kundalini uh, yoga, they talk about shift and movement and, and consciousness. Um, bhakti, the path of bhakti will create these shifts. And when certain shifts come, you're actually being guided by many beings in that process. But you'll also be grounded simultaneously. And there'll be many others that will be there to sort of adjust in that guidance. Uh, but it, it's a very, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, it's a very holistic and easily transitional shifting. There's, there's no sort of like, um, what's the word? Um, it's, it's, it's a natural process, very natural. Yeah. There's no Shakti pot that's going to make you like start bleeding like a goat or clucking like a chicken or go crazy or anything. <laughs> It's not a Muktananda thing. <laughs> but it is, it is deep. It's mystical. Um, this, this particular line, um, you know, because obviously as a, an aspiring conduit or aspiring teacher of, of this particular lineage of bhakti, bhakti, there is a very deep mystical element, which I have to express because my own master said that, um, that it is a mystical uh, lineage and mystical in the sense that um, there will be, um, you know, uh, shifts in the environment. There'll be um, things that happen and move around us that will be uh, adjusting and helping us both within and without. 
that's been my experience. <laughs> and I've heard you say, Maharaj, expect miracles. Like, don't be surprised by miracles. Yeah, yeah. Be 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 fully prepared for um, miracles. Yeah, like shifts and adjustments, and and not only in your own self, but anyone in your field. So, one aspect of something I'm planning to establish in the future is um, the bhakti field. And that will be a, um, a, a movement. It will be um, a series of workshops. Um, but something that I feel would be a great contribution to the West um, at present is the establishment of the Bhakti field, which is a meditational group. Um, based on the teachings of bhakti. And that field will um, be open for all, you know, of course. And um, no doubt I'll try as I can to um, establish the fundamentals of what the bhakti field is attempting to do. But you you are all invited. And as you fill up and absorb and evolve and and naturally come into that space, you're, you're, you'll of course naturally be conduits for that great teaching. Because Guru Parampara is, you know, um, student teacher, teacher, student, student teacher. So, but ultimately, because love is driving the bus, the real guru is understanding he is a student and, his, and the students that he's attracting are his own teachers uh, coming in that form to help the dance of love of God the love of the source, love of supreme. Um, but yeah, just a little, you know, hint at the future, the bhakti field. And um, another thing that I was thinking this morning in my meditation was um, workshops, um, many workshops uh, related to a, um, a, a series of seminars called Rehab for the Soul. Rehab for the soul. Rehab stands for reawakening and elevating human awareness through the path of bhakti. R-E-H-A-B. Rehab for the soul. And, you know, in time, of course, that can be, you know, many things can come from that. <laughs> Promotion of vegetarian restaurants and workshops, seminars, um, retreats, you know, rehab for the soul. So, so much potential, folks. The world is crying for knowledge divinity for a new way and actually the new way is the old way but some of us have you know forgotten our potential as human as spiritual entities so Hare Krishna mm. any other last uh, questions comments before we wrap up I I know we have another group coming maybe <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Yeah, well, that's good. What's that? That's nearly two hours. That's good. I've, yeah, beautiful. What is it? Yeah, it? I guess I was just thinking, like, you know, with all these, with everything going on right now in the world, like, I guess I just wanted some, like, introspection or, like, to hear you, your guys' thoughts on it. And, like, I feel like this is such a transcendental and, like, crazy time to live in right now. And I just wanted to get your guys' opinions on, like, uh, these protests and, like, um, everything that's happening. 
Well, I've got something to say about that for sure. <laughs> Did you see my face? Can you follow me on Facebook at all? Did you see what I posted? I, I do follow you, but I didn't see it. Well, it's okay. It's not that important, but, but <laughs> I'll reiterate it in case. I'm coming uh, back. Way, okay. The way I worded it is what the masses think is the problem. Mm-hmm. I have found over all of my life, 100% of the time, it's always a symptom of the problem. And everyone mm-hmm. is sitting there battling a symptom mm-hmm. while not realizing that the real problem is never addressed. And the current media climate, what used to be the evening news, which we all knew was bullshit, that same consciousness or group or whatever you want to call it has infiltrated social media, has infiltrated the protests, and is basically causing a mass distraction, still keeping us from the original point, which in a way, Krishna consciousness could address and change society or something similar to it, which is we're all equal. We are not our bodies. We are not our race. We are not our nationality. We are all the same exact thing, right? That, that's what Krishna consciousness is. Every soul is a soul, period. All the same potential, all of the same. We are the same, each. We're not one. We're all eternally ourselves, but we're all the same. So if you go right to the, and I'm just going, since we're in this forum, I have other, there are other root concerns. The very structure of our society is racist. The actual capitalist system is founded on, this country was founded on the backs of slaves, the death of indigenous people. I mean, on the relative plane, on the non-Christian consciousness plane, those are the real problems is our actual system itself is racist. Now, but deeper than that is if, if Krishna consciousness were to take or something similar were to take hold in the hearts of humanity, that would solve the root of the problem right there, right? If we inherently realize all souls are the same type of soul, there would no longer be a question of racism. Oh, wow, look at that beautiful African-American suit she's wearing. Look at that beautiful Irish New Zealander suit the Maharaj is wearing. You know, look at this uh, half Mexican, tiny bit of black Navajo, Irish, English suit I'm wearing. We're all, you know, look at that girl suit that you're wearing, Ariana, and look at that boy suit that I'm wearing or whatever. You know, we're all wearing suits, but we're all, we're all the soul in drag and we're all ultimately Prakriti or the goddess in drag. So if we realize that, then there wouldn't be any riots in the street regarding racism. So everyone is so focused on the symptom because as a society, we never actually we're not really a grounded society. We're always looking at the symptom. Even our medical establishment, no offense to the great doctor, is mostly symptom oriented and not actually root cause oriented. So the only insight I'd give on the current situation is, come on, humanity. But it's also the nature of the masses of humanity in this time to generally have a less complete understanding of reality and of their own life. That's just normal for the masses. And it's the, um, it's always a certain small percentage that has the sole impetus to actually wake up. And um, I don't know if that helps at all. Yeah, no, it does. It does help. Um, Yeah, because sometimes I don't know, like I find it, I don't know, a little bit confusing. And like, it's like, I saw a post and it was just like, um, a 
Black Lives Matters, but, um, and it was like saying that, like, we didn't say all lives matters, but we're just, all lives don't matter, but we're just focusing on the fact that Black Lives Matter now. And I'm like, I, like, I understand it, but then I feel like they're also pushing away the side of the fact that it's like, but also at the end of the day, all lives matter. Like, pretty much what you just said right now. Well, part of the reason they do that, okay, so there's this in the collective, just to go into this point, even though it's, it's not directly relevant, but it's very relevant because I've been following the social media trends and I have friends who are way active in all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's not my thing, but I kind of like, get, I'm watching from what they post and I'm learning. So the reason that they say that is because, so when there's an imbalance in the environment or in a society or something, sometimes the balance needs to be expressed. And the true balance is all lives matter. But if a certain life form has been denigrated, then for a time, some emphasis is given, hey, we matter too. Mm -hmm. And so what that post is trying to say, so there's a common response in, especially white, almost always white, you know, people, well, all lives matter, jump right to the solution, but there actually is an imbalance that's currently being addressed in the collective. Now, I'm more of a go deeper in the solution in myself type of person Mm -hmm. than try to address it externally. But for those people that we are doing that service of addressing it externally, they're acknowledging that this imbalance needs to be addressed before. What was that? I'm talking to my girlfriend. I'm trying to change the uh, the screen Uh, so so I can see everybody. Where that's coming from is there's a common response when people say Black Lives Matter Mm-hmm. that, uh, oh, well, all lives matter. And it's like, yeah, that's a given. And the reason people are saying black lives matter is because there has been an imbalance historically. Mm-hmm. Um, I just posted on my Facebook, animal lives matter. And I know I'm going to get a lot of flack because mm-hmm. a lot of my friends really want to defend the fact that they eat meat, which not that I'm anti, I'm not like against people eating meat, but I am against the hurting of animals and the mistreatment of animals unnecessarily. And so, um, yeah, I'm going to get a lot of flack for that, but we will, as we progress for society, sometimes imbalances need to be addressed. So that's what they mean when they're saying that. And we can talk about that in another forum. And again, bhakti yoga is going straight to that source, but we actually have to live that before we can say we've realized that. We have to actually go into that and go through a massive self-transformation where we can really, truly, in every cell of our being, see that everyone is a soul. And I'm nowhere near there. And I've been practicing for 20 years, you know? Mm-hmm. So Thanks. it's a natural self yeah. experience. Yeah. So yes. there's a jumping ahead conceptually of, oh, all lives matter mm-hmm. while racism still is functioning in the culture. That's what okay. that is addressing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you see, once we come into the spiritual awareness, many of these aspects will be harmonized because love God, love all. God's family, love all beings who are emanating and part and parcels of God. And interesting, the subject matter, achincha, chincha, beta, shidanta, simultaneously one and different from the divine. It's the entire collective of beings that we want to honor, love, and give affection to. So what happens is in the human play, we've selected who we're going to honor and dishonor. But, but real spiritual awareness and the, the, the deeper way of harmony is to honor all, to love all, um, and not exploit or consider ourselves superior over another. Um, 
Cool being. Would you say, oh, sorry. Would you say that the reason is because of like ego? Is would is that why? Yeah, yeah. false <laughs> ego. That this tendency of superiority over another. Um, like, say for instance, I'm blessed with <clears throat> some ability to communicate, and my my brain, my intellect has some handle to absorb some understanding of some subject. I shouldn't consider myself superior over somebody that has has more skill set in brain matter in carpentry or engineering. And because they may not understand or they're, they're not attracted to philosophical thought or the ability to retain knowledge from a book, that I have a superior position over that brother or sister. Because they're God's children, they're part and parcels of source, I have to see that I was given this talent, they were given that talent. I was given a white body, they were given a black body, an Asian body. Um, my brother was given a four-legged dog body, but brothers and sisters nevertheless. So Vedic wisdom gives a very deep, com comprehensive understanding of how we can truly come into love, affection, empowerment, validation, um, well-wishing nature, and family for all. Yeah. That's the Vedic, and it's deep. And pretty much this philosophy, uh, if you were to go out into the streets of New York or LA and present this, there'll be nobody arguing with you. They will go, well, it sounds pretty amazing to me. This, I, I'm, I'm signing up for that, yeah. Because everyone relates. See, all the different compartmental movements can actually, they'll find their answers inside this conception, which we've just expressed. Because it covers it all, animal rights, human rights, equality, um, you know, the gender rights, you know, because ultimately the spiritual being is within and we are all brothers and sisters. And what we appear externally and all the different and all its differences, we're, we're getting caught up on the external differences, but we're actually all family. And once we come into that, that awareness, that's the absolute harmony that we're searching for. We can't judge each other on the external. You know, like, imagine, you know, I, I go to a dinner party and like, I love broccoli, you love cauliflower. And we get into this whole like, hey, I'm against the cauliflower people who eat cauliflower. People at the dinner party will go, this guy's crazy. And I'm like, I'm a, I, I don't talk to people who eat cauliflower. I only relate to people who eat broccoli like me. People are going to think this guy is off, the, off his rockers. <clears throat> so this is the ridiculous nature, you know? Um, so the harmony is once we go into the deeper aspect that we are truly spiritual beings having a human experience, an animal experience, a tree experience, the real wisdom is that all sentient beings are sacred and should be honored, love and respect. When we come into that awareness, this is the, the dream of all the great masters. You know, this is all traditions, you know, from the Judaic Christian, um, the great traditions of the East, they're all sort of hinting at this, this harmony, you know, this um, heaven on earth, this conception of heaven. It's, it's that we come into an awareness that we're all God's children, you know, all God's sons and daughters, you know, brothers and sisters.
under Om Tad Vishnu Paramampadam, the all-seeing eye of, of love. Um, when you meet someone that's trying to come into that awareness, you'll feel they'll come immediately into your space with no judgment. They'll just love you because who are you? You're a part and parcel of love. Oh, you sons and daughters of love, you came from love, you are love, don't be satisfied with anything but love. So every entity actually is um, a part and parcel of the Supreme, including ourselves. So, but we're, we're in the process of being allowed to come into that awareness, but we do require a cleansing process to give up our prejudice and bias. And this is what we're all in the, in the process of coming into. We're being challenged on that which is not serving us at present. So even though it's very difficult, ultimately from this difficulty that we're in the middle of, this apparent contraction, will come a deepening of uh, a form of debate and questioning the narrative of a system that is clearly dysfunctional. You know, we need to change here. We need to transform. We need to address that which is restricting our progress. And the Vedic science is, is going to give a lot of help, answers, and revelation for us as a race. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I actually thought of one other thing while Maharaj was talking, the download too. Um, the exploitation of the indigenous people of the land and the exploitation of the African-Americans, which is in the past, but which is still affecting our culture and society and how we think. This is all an extreme extension of what Maharaj was talking about, the plane of exploitation. Taken to the farthest extreme, where we're actually not only exploiting ourselves and our environment, but we're actually taking it so far as to exploit other human beings. So this is exactly, it's like the um, in, like in concentration of that plane. And it, that was in the past, but there's still that plane of exploitation is, is existing full throttle in the capitalist system and the way it's constructed in advertising and the manip manipulations on social media and the news, like that's all still happening. So like this is all showing us exactly what Maharaj is talking about, this plane of exploitation. It's being revealed to us as like a very stark, be like beautiful image really. Krishna is revealing his beautiful image of this is the extreme of the plane of exploitation. And then what we're trying to do is uproot the subtler versions of that within ourselves so that we can shine forth as what we truly are, which is not from that plane at all. So I guess it goes in like waves. I mean, over the past yeah. centuries, mm -hmm. thousands yeah. of years. Cyclic. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Sometimes considered as a cyclic system, like superiority, um, inferiority, that, that like, one group, like nations, you see, um, if you do a study of um, the rise of nations in the past thousand years, you know, the Roman Empire rose to power, it suppressed others. Then the British Empire, it suppressed India, it suppressed, you know, Australia, New Zealand, like we have a whole history here of um, imperialism and sort of um, the, the British Raj, you know. And then now, you know, the new American Empire. Um, and you know, the, the conflict between um, Islam and the Christian realm or, the, you know, uh, Islam and then it's wanting to oppress the state of Israel or the state of Israel. Yeah, that conflict, apartheid, black, white. But ultimately, we are all brothers and sisters to come into 
that deeper awareness. That, that's where the true United Nations or the conception of harmony uh, amongst the human beings can come to a, a, um, a form of possible harmony, the spiritual knowledge and awareness. Um, because conflict, like in, in the United States, in the deep south, you had these feuds between families. I don't know if you go down to Georgia and Alabama, there was um, these conflicts that they, they made movies, you know, like um, they, you know, the hillbillies living in the back swamps and they would have these family feuds over generations. One would kill one, one would kill, and it would never end. But it's like if they were to come into an awareness that let's bury the hatchet, as they say, and we are all God's children. Let's forgive and forget. Let's break the cycle of oppression and superiority and conflict and come into, of course, forgiveness. And let's, let's start a new narrative, a narrative of it's better for us to work in harmony and stop the, the, the conflict and the superior, inferior conception of, you know, um, exploitation of each other. Because there's enough to go around for everybody on the planet. But it does need to be managed, of course. And someone might say, oh, well, you know, Keshav Maharaj, these are utopian, utopian fantasies. This is not possible. Well, folks, <laughs> it has been up to now within the realm of fantasia. But now we're at a critical point. If, if, if we don't address and come into a higher awareness, we are looking at World War Three, World War Four, And of course, with the weaponry that we have and with the, the power of technology, we may not recover. We, we may all lose as, as an entire species of beings if we don't address. So politics and geopolitics is generally the science of how to keep that fine balance. Like in the, in the 60s, you had the Cuban Missile Crisis. We're on the brink of war anytime now. America, I mean, I don't mean to be an alarmist, but some are hinting that America is in a, uh, on the edge of a race war, you know, or the South rising against the North. But the thing is, it doesn't have to be this way. If we can get intelligence and narrative and spirituality into let's let's find solution-based communication there is a chance for us to come to the table and bring awareness bring bring affection bring the commonality of what we all want here we all want love security affection empowerment validation and ultimately family but our leaders actually the fact is let's 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 call it out for what it is. There are many leaders on the planet that are not qualified to lead us. They're making an entire mess. Something they're doing. Donald Trump is one of them. He's not qualified. Well, this is it. Yeah, this this whole Welcome, opinion. Michael. I wanted to welcome you. Yeah, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, hey, There's Michael. There's not a president <laughs> in the history of the United States that was actually qualified. There's not a leader in our recent history that was well. Qualified. Yeah, this is a big From the Vedic perspective. Mm, mm, mm. Um, we we need enlightened beings to guide us, but enlightened beings from the perspective of their living the harmony. Yeah, we can say, you know, I love you. I'm going to look after you. We're going to get employment up. We're going to 
look after all the citizens and have great schools and roads and hospitals. But that's the external structure of our society. But the consciousness and the actual feeling and the brotherhood and sisterhood and crime rates going down and exploitation being addressed, that that really needs to be part of the agenda also. Definitely. But see, in my personal opinion, though, like, mm. I don't know if any enlightened beings are really, like, would really ever lead a country or whatever, you know, because, like, it, I don't know, like, I, like, I wouldn't, I, I would not, I don't know if that would, I, that would be a great idea, but I don't know if that would ever happen because who knows, they might get corrupt and they might get tempted with power or whatever it is. And typically enlightened beings don't want to lead a country like the, like my personal spiritual, you know, figurehead is the Dalai Lama and he's never going to run an entire country because he doesn't want to, you know, he, you know, so that, so it's inevitable that, you know, that as even though we all agree that spiritual beings would be better for running countries, but it may never happen because they don't want the power anyway. So mm-hmm. then the only people that are left are, are unqualified, you know, people that don't know what they're doing, basically. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it, really. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's interesting because it brings back to memory my own master said, uh, he, he expressed it, my own teacher who'd left the world in 2010, he said, those who are unqualified come forward to want to lead the mission of bhakti. And those who are qualified are very shy to come forward because they're not wanting any position or uh, notoriety. You know? But he said, sometimes those who are qualified have to come forward um, inevitably because others aren't qualified. So, yeah, it's this play of like this humility, but then false humility. At some point, leaders, qualified leaders will have to be nudged forward, even if they're like, hey, reluctant, because mm-hmm. a qualified leader won't be corrupted, especially if, mm-hmm. there's, if yes. there's a spiritual integrity there. If there's a spiritual integrity that I'm doing this as a service to the higher, yes. to my brothers and sisters, because to, to allow unqualified leaders to, to, to take us over the cliff or into World War Three, World War Four, that's we're, we're all going down. And then those who are qualified, their position is also disturbed because they can't live in the mountains or the Bajan Kutir because um, the world's about to be <laughs> turned to flames. So it's now. Would you would you mm-hmm. consider though, like, because the, in in the over the course of human history, there there have been some decent leaders of various countries at various points in time would would they would you consider them as like you know obviously these people aren't aren't alive anymore but just saying like would they would they would those decent people like i can think of a couple off the top of my head that that were are that were pretty decent good kings or queens or monarchs would they be would they technically be the few qualified souls that were actually truly qualified to run a country? Yeah, well, I mean, ultimately we see this, the, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. So the symptoms of what manifested under their leadership, you can test. And this is why you see in a, in a campaign of like politics, people are presenting so many um, positives. And if we get into power, we're going to do this and this and this for the people. But the symptoms are the citizens um, stable? Are they safe? 
um, are they fulfilled within their inner being? So this is another aspect. We can, a government can give external security and stability, the inner, the inner fulfillment, the, um, the spiritual, the, the, the holistic approach, the holistic understanding of what it means to look after the citizens. I think that that's what ultimately needs to be addressed. So in answer to your question, yeah, the symptoms, um, is, is there a, a holistic package of stability and fulfillment from these leaders and from their governance? Mm. So some uh, you, did achieve uh, some level of that. Some achieved some level of that. Hey, um, guys, just real quick. Um, I got to head out, but it was so nice to see all of you guys again. Oh. Say hey. Bye, Crystal. Yeah. Hey, good seeing you. Bye, Crystal. Hey, good to see you, to see you buddy. Have your meditation. I know, right? Well, I'll, I promise it'll be next time. And I actually, um, if you are interested, I do have a couple um, YouTube links I could send to. <coughs> yeah, send to, the, send to our, our WhatsApp group that we have or, or to anywhere, anywhere you want to send. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're unlisted right now because there's still a couple of them are still kind of rough and like work in progresses. But yeah, I'll, uh, I'll share them with you guys in the uh, WhatsApp. Oh, we have a WhatsApp group. I didn't even know this. Where have I been? Oh, no, it's for our Bhakti. <laughs> Glad you write a, that. A Bhakti oh, yoga. I see. What's okay. up? Yeah. But you could join too if you like, Michael, if you're joining the Bhakti Yoga course late, but that's okay. Yeah, Krista, thank Bye. you so much, Krista. Absolutely. Bye, Krista. See you guys. Be well.